0: Hey everybody, this is the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and this is Fanboy Planet Editor-in-Chief Derek McCaw. I am coming at you from Burbank, but uh, through the magic of radio, no, it's not the radio, uh, the, the magic of internet, we uh, I'm of course with podcast producer Rick Brett Snyder, and together we're going to talk about comics. I know, it's kind of weird, I think it's been a long time since we've actually talked about comics. It had been a um, while since we did the podcast, and then we kind of came, and then we came. We back usually
1: make some notice. notice well, right, because comics. you know that's
0: how we make the breadcrumbs on Amazon. No, uh, so I, but we should say that, of course, if we talk about anything on t- this podcast that uh, you can legally own for yourself and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store, we are an Amazon affiliate, which means that there are links on the podcast pages on fanboyplanet.com and other pages, as well as a search box on every page of fanboyplanet.com and purchases made through that link or those links could result in uh, revenue for fanboyplanet. It's not a guarantee, but it's possible. And uh, so we'd appreciate that. Uh, again, though, we also appreciate you keeping your local brick-and-mortar store alive, too. If you've got a favorite, support them if, and uh, you know, come to us if they can't do it. So... Uh, Also, if you'd like to join the conversation, as I've got, you know, we were able to preview our topic today and somebody did actually write in to join the conversation, Uh, you can. You can write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Any questions, comments, compliments, criticisms, commentary, whatever, write in. You can follow us on the Facebook page, which is fanboy planet. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at fanboy planet. And you can follow us on Instagram, which is sometimes is a little bit di- additional, uh, you know, content, uh, Although it's weird to say content, I don't know. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. But that—that that is also at Fanboy Planet. Like last week, uh, there was like a 20-second video of me, uh, you know, doing all my very heavy preparation while Rick was actually making all this work. Uh, so you get a little <laughs> bonus content. Uh, I yes, love
1: the—I love the fact that we're able to advertise the a preview, which was actually just um, us mentioning something and saying, "Yeah, that'd be a good topic. Yeah, let's go."
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, on Instagram, it was actually I realized after I sh- you know took the video that really all it is is me with the green screen behind. You, you can't hear you and you're working your butt off. And I just go. <laughs> did you hear my coffee there? I did. That's a recreation of last week's uh, preview video. Uh, I am just conquering social media. So anyway, uh, yeah, we did uh, say we came up with a topic at the end of last week's podcast, which was to kind of talk about comics. uh, called a semester or a quarter. It's been a while since we've actually talked comics directly on the podcast, directly and purposely. So we're going to do that this week. Although, of course... Every week it has seemed to be we've got to talk about the rapidly unfolding and constantly changing Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, which I'm going to give Car D'Angelo credit for this joke, which which is, of course, that, you know, they call it Warner Brothers Discovery because the more time (laughs) goes on, you realize that you're a Discovery, that you Warner cancel your HBO Max subscription. So, uh, oh, please, he absolutely (laughs) belongs on the stage at Worldcon. You know it, and I know it anyway uh-huh. uh, but we got we did get uh, a letter in an email from uh, Chris Buckley, longtime listener, uh, not first time caller, but uh, wanted to update us and say that overdrive, which was the uh, the library app that right. we talked about uh, that I think it's I think that his library has changed to something called the Libby app,
1: yeah, Libby is one other one.
0: Yeah, because I checked on on my local library and it's still Overdrive. So, you know, uh, it still works. I uh, also agree that, of course, you love She-Hulk. And uh, this morning, uh, today's episode uh, was also uh, terrific and confirmed that, at least in the Marvel Universe, they pronounce her the uh, archenemy's name as Titania, even though that's probably nowhere near the actual accuracy in ancient Greek. But uh, yeah. there we go. And... His suggestions for best runs in recent years of comics, which is what we're going to talk about, are Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, which I think is on the DC Infinite app, so I need to look look into that, and the whole War World saga in ancient action comics is, right. he says, his favorite Superman run ever, which is, that's hmm. a high bar. Yeah. Uh, in a world in which all-star Superman exists, in which Mark Wade's Superman birthright exists, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'll check it out. I absolutely – thanks, Chris, for writing in. Uh, we are going to – as I said, I will update on the, the Warner Brothers. Rick reminded me today, of course, that it's been a crazy week in the Batgirl story, uh, which is that, that film that they canceled, the $90 million film. That, that film. That film. <laughs> which would have featured Michael Keaton's return as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And definitely in costume, or at least a stuntman was in costume and close-ups. He was wearing a cowl. And first, I think it was uh, Monday night's news, maybe Tuesday's news, that uh, the directors of that film had tried to go back in and at least for themselves uh, record uh, or copy the data uh, from their film on the Warner Brothers servers, and of course, this all you know falls back to if anybody saw Space Jam Two, this seriously has predicted all of this—that uh, everything is being run by a computer al- algorithmically, trying to figure out what what the best energy is and w- what's the best chance for money, uh, because that that I think that is the problem is. There's an ownership now with Warner Brothers Discovery, which is not unreasonable because it is show business, not show art, that they want to make sure they make money off of every project they do. Well, everybody would like that. Wouldn't that be nice? But, you know, the best laid plans of of mice and men, and we'll talk about Mickey Mouse later, uh, you know, they can sometimes go awry. And I'm probably misquoting Robert Burns on that. I know that. But someone can tell me and correct me. But anyway... Uh, they'd gone into the servers and all the data was gone. There was no footage. They had no access. So on Tuesday night, most of fandom thought, oh, my God, the whole thing's been deleted because they never wanted to release it anyway. And then yesterday it broke that that same night that the news broke about the deletion was that Warner Brothers had started showing what they call co- doing, what they called funeral showings to the cast and crew that wished to show uh, to show up at the Warner Brothers lot in a screening room and watch what there was of Batgirl. And we do want to stress that it sounds more and more like there was less of Batgirl in existence, uh, in completion than there was of Zack Snyder's footage. Originally. Yeah, you have
1: to, you have to say well, what it, what was, what did completion mean? Cause like how much of the background was CG and
0: that sort of thing. Right. Right. You know, that's that, you know, that, that is exactly it. They showed this rough cut that basically laid out the story. But if you've ever seen one of those, you know, kind of leaked out or or if if you've gone to a test screening of a CG heavy film and they're not done with the effects, there will be whole, you know, like white spaces or somebody's just acting on green screen uh, up against green screen. And that still is it, Uh, you know, and that's as far as it's going to get, at least under this ownership, you know. And I say that also saying it's possible that someone else could own Warner Brothers a year from now. And it's sad to say that, but it's still possible because this is the third owner they've had in 10 years. So maybe in two or three years, it's possible that it'll get changed. But uh, so they've been having these funeral screenings. And then also last night, the news broke that Warner Brothers has kind of shaken up its, its release slate. Everything's been delayed. We will not see any other DC superhero films in 2022. They pushed back Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom to March, I think, uh, of 2023. Although, I want to say, once I kind of laid out the sentence that I'm about to say, it made sense, which is, <laughs> it doesn't, they had to not compete with avatar the way of water and not that i think that uh, that i'm super excited about avatar 2 but two films that basically take place underwater opening on the same day Uh might have been problematic and confusing yeah might have been Especially with now the threats uh, you know that all the news uh, is carrying that uh California's due for like this huge flash flood that will drown everyone because that 's what you know drives clicks uh, you know it's like, yeah, I, I didn't
1: i didn 't watch that news
0: <laughs> uh, to, no no seriously yeah they're saying that's the new potential super disaster yeah it's uh,
1: it's, it's uh, stor- uh, incredible storms yes. uh, tropical storms off the coast of California and that combined with the Deforestation that's
0: happened through the fires could end there up with go. incredible mudslides. So, mud so, so and, they yeah. could open two movies that take place underwater while Hollywood itself would be literally underwater. So they had to kind of spread that out a little bit. So uh, that almost makes sense, but it shifted all, everything. The only thing they didn't say had changed was The Flash release date, which is still somehow the news is that is testing higher than ever. Uh, you know, so uh, that's the highest rated in test screenings that any DC film has been. So I don't know. We'll find out eventually what the truth is, or you know, we'll be able to judge for ourselves on everything but Batgirl, or maybe, because now that we know there is a cut, it probably doesn't look very good, but it exists. Uh, I I have seen some chatter that there are a few people that are dedicating a lot of time and effort to trying to uh, you know get that get that out there on the uh, free the film the super dark web. Oh yeah, no, you know there was a big uh, big billboard on. Uh, I'm trying to think what's but it was right by the Warner Brothers studio that someone had, you know the Snyder people had paid for last uh, before justice league came out that said or on hbo max that said release the snyder cut like it was huge right you know somebody paid a lot of money just to say come on uh anyway the other thing and come on let us encourage you know we talked about the sandman adaptation and how much we enjoyed that do want to say of course last week there was a surprise episode and that is because with all the success that this is the most watched show on netflix for the last two weeks Neil Gaiman says that's still not, you know, a guarantee that they're getting a season two because it's very expensive to make. And, you know, and again, I'm wondering how long it takes the new leadership at Warner Brothers Discovery to realize that they own the comics and that they've given this show over to Netflix and everybody's talking about it. But we'll see. I thought it was, uh, you know, very weird. Very few people have noticed that uh, that Netflix release. Both uh, the episode of Sandman that contained the the dream of a thousand cats, with alongside a documentary called Inside the Mind of Cats, and frankly, I think it's a very dangerous precedent. Uh, If you watch those two back to back, it could get very scary. But let us talk about comics now, shall we? Rick, can we? Can I? Can I? Can I bring something up that I've been meaning to talk to you about? And I don't know if you is this this is, is an intervention, Rick. This is not the time. It's
1: the strangest intervention ever. Words ever. Have you heard of the um, Angeline series?
0: Yeah, I haven't watched it yet.
1: I I watched it. You mentioned billboards and and how much it would cost oh, yeah. to do the Snyder bill. The, it's a lot of it is about the expense and the logistics of Hollywood billboards. But that I I, I do have to give a guilty pleasure uh, vote to that, that. Beyond just the fact that it's billboards, is it's. it's it is like if Rashomon had been written by Russ Meyer.
0: But I'm going to tell you, if you've ever actually seen Angeline in the wild, it is um, a magical experience. It's like you I, even now it's like you can't believe that she's real. You know, so anyway. Yeah. But let's get to comics. Anyway. Uh so yeah, what's it's been a long time since so we said it's not what's in the bag, it's more like what's in the ever-growing stack. <laughs> by your bed that's about to, you know, collapse and, and, and kill you in your sleep. Uh, so what's the first uh, comic that you would recommend? That's over you know, the last six months or so.
1: Okay. So I have one that I can wholeheartedly endorse, and it's into its second issue now in its second story. And I'd already gushed about this in previous podcasts, but I am so happy to see Mark Millar bring back Prodigy. Yes. Um there's a new uh, a new storyline called the Icarus Society where they seem to be upping the game. Prodigy is about uh I think it's Emerson uh Oh, what's his last name? Emerson Crane. And he is he's African-American and although they never bring it up, so it could be just a person of color. But he's the seventh richest man in the world and he has a, an incredibly compartmentalized, brilliant brain uh, where he's always five steps ahead of everything. Um, and this is Millar at probably his most restrained and controlled as far as the over-the-top action goes, which makes me appreciate it all the more. So I, I it,
0: would it, agree. That's, it's alongside Huck. Those two series yeah. are my favorite Millar World
1: uh, and, series. and two and two promised uh, movie or series uh, conversions that have not come to be. And I was when I saw this, I started looking up to see if anything had come out lately, and I hadn't seen a notice since 2020.
0: So. Um, well, that might be because what was that other? Uh, Jupiter Rising. Not Jupiter. Right. The, That's uh, another film. Um, uh, Jupiter's Legacy. Right. Uh, that series did not do well. And I even forgot that they'd done the spin off, Super Criminals, as an animated series. Right. And neither one of those made much of an impact.
1: Yeah, I think that those were bad choices. Oh, um, I would agree. Uh, they looked uh, like, I, you know,
0: it was a time of like the boys. I'm tired of deconstruction. Yeah. Right. You know, that's the problem with the television adaptation. And cause we, you know, once the boys has come out, it's like, okay, that's that all that needs to be said has been said there. How about making heroes heroes again?
1: Yeah. And prodigy definitely does that.
0: Oh, absolutely. And apparently he's working on a crossover with nemesis. Oh, cool. So I, which is like, what if Batman were a super super villain? Uh, but I, I, I haven't read that one, so I'm going to go back and find that. So, yep. Okay. I, I picked that up too. Prodigy loved it. So, you know, I, I haven't picked up the second issue yet. I hope I still can because I know that's problematic. I think it just came out this week. Okay. I haven't gone to the shop yet, so, uh, that's, that's good. All right. I'm going to, this will be, uh, I actually have two choices set in, you know, from the mainstream uh the big 2 if they are indeed still the big 2 uh, i'm going to go with uh my first recommendation is one of my favorite writers right now mark russell uh superman space age which as much as hmm. i give uh, with mike allred as on the art and laura allred of course doing color uh it's a beautiful book i don't think it's actually it's not black label but it is kind of one of those you know it's a 48 page square bound uh, book And this is book one, I'm not sure exactly how many issues it will have, but every time I hear someone, uh, in the media, especially as we say in Warner at Warner Brothers now discovery, uh, talk about how they just don't know what to do with that big blue boy scout, you know, Superman just, just doesn't resonate, uh, he does. And you've got many, many books. We already mentioned a couple, right? You know, All-Star Superman, uh, Superman Birthright, uh, Superman Secret Identity. This one is another one, Space Age, that uh, goes back to the 60s, kind of the Kurt Swan era, although redrawn by, by Mike Allred. And it's a it's another different take on, on Superman because, of course, with this dark crisis on infinite Earths, mm-hmm. as much as I get really annoyed by having... By, being drawn into these crossovers. I love alternate takes because at least they're standalone stories. And this one is it. There's a, it's a sneaky little crossover, but it's not a spoiler because it basically begins in 1985 with the crisis happening. And then it goes back to the sixties and is almost like the new frontier as well. Telling different versions, uh, giving different versions of a few key justice leaguers, but really focusing on Superman and George Perez came, had come up with this great design for Pariah who is a key figure in Crisis on Infinite Earths and now appears to be a, a key figure in Dark Crisis but I didn't know until I picked up this book that Mike All, I needed to see Mike Allred draw Pariah who is like a quintessential Mike Allred character the, you know, and he makes it his own and what I love about Space Age is it doesn't matter If you've read any of those other big crossover events, this is just a cool story that you know is leading towards, you know, it's, there's only one way it could possibly end. But in the meantime, Mark Russell is absolutely talking about why Superman matters, why that character has a lot still to say to us about aspiration and hope. Remember that? The S stands for hope. Uh, I just you know that's for DC people that you know I that's think one of execs to hear
1: two observations I think one um movies and and television really want to write about an iconic hero and comics take more risks in storytelling they they superman's more of an element within uh like a like a uh, a, a base element in the universe and that you write stories around him where he interacts and playing with whether or not he can use his powers to effect a result when it's not really a, a, but a, a strength-based problem. I, but
0: I call BS because the moments that people, uh, like all-star Superman, when he talks a teenager from jumping off of a roof, when J- J- Michael Straczynski oh, no. made yeah. him take the long walk The point is it's not the powers that makes Superman the hero, though that's great. And this is where where I think most of the movie adaptations uh, or why there haven't been good movie adaptations in the last decade or so fail is because they don't understand that that's great that he's got all these abilities. And I totally understand. I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. i met a couple of uh, people that were comics fans, but they, they complained about Superman saying he's just too powerful. And I said, well, you know, one solution has been certainly there's a split. Chris Buckley brought up one half of it, right? The war world saga. That's hard to say war world saga in action. Comics takes El, right? He's over there. He's out in space where a lot of people are at his power level but in Superman, the book, the title, it's son of kal It's uh, you know it, it's Jonathan Kent who right. is the younger, less experienced Superman who that we might be able to more accept because he's a hyper accelerated teenager trying to deal with you know what today's problems on Earth are. They're interesting takes, but I like to be able to go back and see these kinds of things. Superman the movie, Richard Donner. Dealt with it pretty well. I still say Superman and Lois. There are some flaws in it, but mm-hmm. most of but Tyler Hecklin absolutely understands that character, and they write to play that. You know what's the biggest challenge? What makes that show so great for me is what's what have we ever seen be the, be the big challenge for for the Kal El parenting two teenagers? Good God! Yes, you know, yes. yes. <laughs> so, those the other thing. The
1: other thing about this it. book. The other thing about this book is Mike Alred, who no, that's
0: what I said. to I,
1: be totally, yeah, no, to be totally honest, back when he was just doing Mad Men, his art style just creeped me out.
0: Mad Men, yes,
1: Mad Men, um, and the, he he has he has grown without losing his stylistically unique uh, his unique style. His art has grown to be. Uh, so adaptable to almost any character i mean there's some that work work a little bit better or not but i don't i don't even think twice about saying he's he's a great superman artist
0: yeah he's fantastic uh so yeah what, what's next on your stack
1: okay so the next thing i have is uh um this is from boom studios nice and uh, i i this is a this is a a series, but I did pick up the first six vo- six issues in a, in a in a collection recently, and this is Berserker B R Z R K
0: R. Yes, which by, there is a feature article on Fanboy Planet about it just recently,
1: by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kind, and I, you know,
0: I, and Ron Garney. I, let's give Ron Garney credit; he's the artist. Yes, yes, yes.
1: The um the storyline of about of a demigod immortal who uh, is just driven to violence, who is looking for mortality, is looking for something to take him out of it. But at the same time, uh, probably the one of the most violent books I've seen in a long time. Uh, but in not, not in, gratuitously like if you read uh uh Shogun Cowboy, for example, that's Shaolin Cowboy? Shaolin Cowboy, that's right. Um I meant to pull that volume down too. The um the the violence in this one is uh it's more along the lines it really has the same kind of uh feel as any of the Wolverine storylines when he's fighting ninjas and such. They're they're uh he's the unstoppable uh unstoppable yeah. Uh, force in, in these stories. Um, can,
0: can I say that's the elephant in the room? That like nowhere in any publicity because I ran an article just a couple of weeks, maybe last week, uh, because this book made history in a weird way uh, in that it was the first comic book to have a panel in Hall H at Comic-Con, which ah. is a weird thing to say because it's Comic-Con, right? But no. right. And let's not pretend... That it would have been there if not for Keanu Reeves. Right. But the reason Keanu Reeves was approached by Boom Studios, like, hey, what do you, you know, do you have any ideas? What would you like to write? Yeah. Is Keanu Reeves has long said he wanted to play Wolverine, and no one would. You know, obviously Marvel couldn't let him, and Hugh Jackman still owned the part. Mm -hmm. And so he created a character that, as you say, on the surface, resembles wolverine and nobody calls that out and yet it is its own absolute thing you know it, it is a its own unique take although i think jeff Loeb had like tried to put some of this uh, some of some of what berserker does into wolverine's backstory but this is weird and i i i don't know if you read my my take on it is there because there's going to be a novel next I year it. yeah they're gonna oh. start doing one shots with other creators i mean he's opened up a universe even though berserker this book by canary's Matt kind and and ron garney will come to a conclusion with issue 12 and then, then they move on
1: I, I i have to say this book was an amazingly fast read and not because there's no text and it's not like a one of those frank miller books where you read it in about two minutes but um just the the text went went just butterly smooth through it um and it's funny you say say on the surface of wolverine on the surface this is keanu reeves i mean no (laughs) there's no no doubt that that is that is him on the page
0: well there's Uh, even he was asked on uh uh, late night. Uh, why am I blanking? Uh, Stephen Colbert. Uh, that wow. there's a panel of Ron Garney drew of the, basically that is that infamous sad Keanu meme sitting on a bench, you know, in which you yeah. had to say, I, I, "I was just eating a sandwich." How do you look, you know? Uh, <laughs> but they put him in the rain. B as character. It's it's a fascinating, you know. It, I I love it. And the other thing is. That it was released, the first issue, in the middle of the pandemic. And it was the top selling comic. Like, it's over a million copies sold at the first issue. And I don't know how well the stats have kept up. But, I, you know, even though it's Keanu Reeves, I do want to say we are entering a golden age of like, no, they put thought into the concept. It isn't just trying to create the star vehicle to be adapted. Right. I, I mean,. It is being adapted. Netflix is going to turn it into a series. It it's was, a
1: compelling story and a history and a mystery. Yeah, um, all they've together.
0: got a they've got a movie in development at Netflix, and then they're also going to do an anime series. And so, and with the one shots, the anime, and the novel, which I, I don't think they've announced yet, who is writing it? But it's apparently it's somebody very big who agreed to do it. And I'm just hoping it's not James Patterson. Uh, that they uh, that the thing is if. If his existence basically encompasses all of human history, you can tell stories in any era. You can yeah, poke around yeah. at corners that they don't have time to get to in 12 issues. Because the other thing you've got to mention is he also forgets his past. That's part of the problem. There's a therapist working with him to try to get him to remember. So no, he makes breakthroughs he and you, yeah. you get
1: flashbacks. Yeah,
0: it's a yeah. great book. and I'm shocked that I love it as much as I do but it it is great Uh, I've got a a Marvel comic uh, up which is The Variants subtitled A Jessica Jones Mystery and I don't know why it took me so long to go back into my stack and go I should read number one of this Uh, it's by Gail Simone and Phil Noto and Gail Simone is the best person to write Jessica Jones since uh, the, her creator Brian Michael Bendis uh, maybe even better I think perhaps is that heresy uh, and I just love Phil Noto's art I can't explain exactly why but it's kind of like Mike Alred. there's something about the art that even though it doesn't look like something you would have seen in the 60s it feels like the, a blend of of that kind of you know, yeah, I don't know. Am I
1: wrong to see it, it? almost feels like there's a little bit of gauze over the lens, kind of. Maybe,
0: yeah. I, but I feel like there's almost like advertising art style to Phil Noto, and yeah. uh, so the variance is kind of an interesting. It's a it's a little flashback in time to when she was getting ready to marry Luke Cage, and. Uh, then she is, I I don't think, again, I think there's like, except to the third issue, I don't think it's a spoiler. It's called variants for a reason that she encounters variant versions of herself. It's a team up. It's a, it's a one book crossover, uh, multiversal crossover without actually advertising that that's what it is, but it's only Jessica Jones alternate versions. (laughs) So, you know, I'm,
1: I'm looking at the art right now and it, what it is just, uh, it's very reminiscent of the, of the original, um, Jessica Jones books.
0: Yeah. Um, but like I like his eight art years better ago. than the guy that, that yeah. was it only eight years ago.
1: I, it feels, I, I'm getting that feeling.
0: No, no, no. I, you know, I there've
1: there been I, a couple, there was a, one more recent than the original one. Oh yeah, yeah. I
0: read that too. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it's just, it's, it's just funny that I'm thinking like, you know, at our age. Uh, in our age cohort, shall we say, we have this tendency to shave a decade or two off, like, you know, 10 years ago in 2000 or even in 1990. So was it? It's 2000? also
1: interesting from the art point, point of view that Phil Nota and Betsy, Betsy Cola are are credited with pencils, inks, and colors. Oh, yeah. So it's a it's a one-stop, uh, and that's always the best with a good artist that they don't get interpreted by another uh,
0: I would agree with that. You know, For those most are, good artists, yeah. Those are my favorites. I mean, that we go back to Allred. He is not his own colorist, but his wife his is his wife colorist. Is. And they are in yeah. sync as one artistic conglomerate. I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, so there we go. That's next. Great choice. Yeah. What's next on yours?
1: So I'm going to switch over to a uh, graphic novel and a little bit of a divergence uh, because – this is the latest graphic novel of of three, that I believe the first one was done as individual issues, and the other ones have been done as solid books, and that, that is the Legend of Luther Arkwright. Mm, yeah, the um, by Brian out, right? Talbot. Yeah, yeah. And so this is following up on um, the Adventures of Luther Arkwright and Heart of the Empire, which were the two larger ones and you can get those in a in a single uh, dark horse uh, amazing volume color inside and uh, very heavy um but this new luther arkwright is all brand new um it's all black and white which really spotlights talbot's talbot's drawing style which is amazing mm-hmm. he is he is known as the father of the british graphic novel and in fact there's a um there's a Kickstarter right now, I believe. Right, there is. Yes, I haven't backed the, it yet, but I mean to. Yeah, it's it's uh it's all about uh his, his history, right, graphically, um, and I can't remember the name name of it though, but we'll put that in the notes. Yes, um, Luther Arkwright is very reminiscent of Jerry Cornelius, um, and any number of. Uh, eternal heroes from michael moorcock. michael
0: moorcock yeah i just want to make sure we said that yeah yeah but eternal but champion der-
1: yeah eternal champions um but also his, his his self he's um uh graphic style much like uh uh what was it the jodorowsky um the inca um in yes Inkal. yeah um series uh very detailed very a lot of a lot of amazing things going on in the background and impossible to sum up the <laughs> the plot line for any of these books um i they are uh somewhat in sequence so i would actually recommend if anybody's uh-huh. intrigued by this to go back to the uh the first uh adventures of luther arkwright which has a kind of uneven style but it's incredibly reminiscent of the uh, old um uh uh 2000 AD um comics that well because they
0: they were being worked he was doing those at the same at time at the same time yeah right it's, so it's an early yeah. it's a master in his early days and it's, it's amazing to see an epic play out like over the decades as he became yeah. better and better and better and yeah. he is one of the best uh, he's also
1: well known for one bad rat which is a oh, much tale, shorter story. one tale of one bad, bad yes yeah, so i was yeah. gonna
0: i was just gonna bring that up is let's yeah. let's call out that and have you read alice in sunderland No, I haven't. Oh, my God, you have to find that. That is the most amazingly uh, experimental and beautiful. It's somewhat autobiographical. It's fantasy, uh, because basically Sunderland is the area where uh, Charles Lutwich Dodson was. So, you know, it it, it spent a lot of time. So it ties into Alice in Wonderland. But it also, uh, you know, he talks about himself, but it's the history of his town where he grew up and like which entertainers came from there you know when you hear the kind of thing about you know on doctor who when they say you know they can be from the north lots of people come from the north lots of planets have a north you know is that's you know getting to that that real working class pride and you know it's just i have done no justice to what it is and how important to work it is and i think that's he had come out to Comic-Con and they were giving a spotlight because of that. And that's when, oddly enough, I ran into him in line at uh, Starbucks in the Marriott. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, cool. yes, to be able to have a very brief conversation of just, sir, I just love your work. So uh, so if,
1: if we're going to go there, I want, I'll i also bring up Granville, uh, which is um, yes. his anthropomorphized animals, uh, the heroes of Badger, a kind of detective Um and again, a uh, sweeping huge story. these are all the, the latest editions of these are bound in black leatherette with uh, with gold stamped uh, art on the art and on the, this, which is just a, a pleasure to hold. So. Yes,
0: the podcast suddenly became just the Brian Talbot appreciation Society, but yeah. that's because every now and then you there's a creator who is just that good and you, you need to you, you will get absorbed. Uh, just as, like, you know, right now I'm on a Grady Hendrix reading kick because I've Mm. discovered that, you know, a terrific writer. Uh, So my last comic recommendation, individual series, but you can pick it up in trades, and the beauty of it is that uh, I think that each arc really does kind of stand alone, but it's sort of like, uh, you know, reading an Ed Brubaker book. Uh, A series where you know uh, what's the one we're just that we've been enjoying. Um, I can't turn around because then I will strangle myself in my. uh, (laughs) Okay, because they're up on the. uh, uh, Let's play
1: password. Give me a password. No, no,
0: no. Hang on, hang on. Uh, No, my wife has that. Uh, Oh shoot! And on the spine, it just has the title of the individual stories. Uh, Destroy all monsters and. Oh,
1: it's uh, um, reckless. Reckless.
0: Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna say that was
1: on my short list. I didn't bring it up.
0: Okay, no, no, no. But this isn't reckless that I'm talking about. This okay. is a series from Image that I don't know why I picked it up. I think because the first arc or the first cover made me feel like maybe this is gonna be a supernatural horror story, and it's not really. Um, it's just good Texas crime, and the book is called That Texas Blood. And I guess the first arc was like a piece of a screenplay that the author, uh, co-creator Chris Condon had written and decided to try to make it into a comic. And now I want to see a series like, uh, you know, you can do that on a streaming service, like once a year, just take six episodes to tell an arc. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's, I think they're in chapter three of the current arc. So you could probably get this from like issue 14 forward. The beautiful thing about each arc is though they're interconnected it's jumping around in the history of one Texas sheriff one small town sheriff and it's supposed to be it's a town that's kind of standing in for Marfa which is where uh Giant was filmed so that that Texas sweeping epic with James Dean and Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor uh Marfa is just this you know famous rural Texas area and the first one the, is the sheriff is an old man uh, and solving uh, a murder, and there's always, there always a murder involved. The second arc was really kind of about satanic panic. It jumped back to the late 70s, uh, early 80s, uh-huh. uh, which is my, has been my joke. Isn't it weird that we're in an era where we're all, like, nostalgic for satanic panic, <laughs> like that's in the zeitgeist? Um, right. You know that was Stranger Things, and, yeah. It was Stranger and Things, and then four, right? this great book that just came out from from IDW, True Cult, and you know it was just like that. But but this one is now them kind of later 80s, uh, dealing with a serial killer, and. Uh, the artist is Jacob Phillips, who even reminds me. A lot, I don't think there are any relation, but his artwork is reminiscent of Sean Phillips, and it's somewhere in between Sean Phillips and Phil Noto. So maybe I'm clearly responding to a certain style, but I just love this story. I love this sheriff. I like. I wish that you could just de-age Sam Elliott, and he could play this this sheriff mm. uh, yeah. at every era of his life. Because that's, you know, it, it is, uh, or it reminds me of the guy that was, um, unfortunately, he became a movie star, way t- Richard Farnsworth. You know, he was already very old. But in, imagining it's the kind of that young guy, they're just matter of fact, they're kind, politics aren't into it, they're just lawmen trying to do what's right. And again, there's a touch of supernatural in each arc, maybe. But again, it's you know, that's what I think is great, is that it's kind of left to one of those stories where it's like, maybe but each each section really does stand on its own i recommend going back and getting the trade paperbacks but if you just want to pick this one up right now uh starting with issue 14 it's an amazing book and i think issue 13 was a christmas special like he just they just had one little one off story and it, it, it's it's strangely rapidly my favorite one of my favorite books and it's like not even I'm you know I'm not that big a true crime guy or it's not really true crime but you know I'm not that big a crime guy but I guess the older I get the more that that genre is appealing to me but this is top-notch comics
1: I think they're marketing crime better to comic book readers now. I maybe. Think that actually, the story, I mean, the well, quality of stories is more let's mature.
0: Give, let's give credit to Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips who've been working in the genre with a book oh, yeah. literally called Criminal for, you know, for well over a decade. Uh, you know, kind of indie and it's picked up and, and I think that, you know, it, it's given other writers that, that maybe that was their interest and, and other artists who might not have been perfect for superheroes, um, which, let's face it, is still kind of at least the perception perceived as the dominant genre in comics, you know, it's just not anymore. I mean, I look at this and and it is funny that I picked up two books from one from Marvel and one from DC, in which those aren't the ones that go to the top of my stack usually. It's it's always an independent, closed off store. You know, it's a it. it I'm not interested in interconnected universes anymore. I think that's why I like that Superman Space Age, because it is itself. It is its own universe to explore. And then when it's done, it's done. And with Berserker, same thing. It's its own universe. You know, you so. talk
1: about Brewbreaker, and I got hooked on to, and this is not a new book, but Fatale. Fatale?
0: Fatal? I think it's just Fatal? meant to be spelled. Okay, be Fatal. Fatal. yeah. We're, but uh, have you read book. any of that? Yes, yeah, okay. I have.
1: I I, had, I was not ready for the 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 subtext of that and what it <laughs> I'm connects sorry.
0: to. I, I almost blew, co- blew coffee through my nose with that. You were not ready for
1: photography. I was not yeah. ready, not ready at all. But it was excellent. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have anything else?
1: I got. I've got. Uh, I can go head to head with you. Um, uh, the uh, the other one I wanted to mention. Yeah, um, do it. Is, uh and this. I don't know why I find this book so compelling. but uh, And I love the earlier editions of it. It's it's not written for me. It's definitely a YA and even probably uh women's YA book. It's Are You but,
0: There, God? It's Me, Rick?
1: No, no, no. Okay. Although, although that's a good book. Um, it's uh, the Courtney Crumman Books. Oh,
0: we've talked about that before. Yeah,
1: and and they've um, most recently come out with uh, a new set of stories. They're the first volume. Uh, oh, I didn't know he's got new ones. About last year, it's the the Crumrin Chronicles. Courtney
0: Crumrin. So Crumrin Courtney Chronicles, C- right? Crummern Hard to say. Chronic- purposefully.
1: It's the it's called the Crumrin Chronicles. I always want to put the Courtney Crumrin Chronicles in there to make it even that much harder. But um, she's older; she's now the the mature influence in the book. Her brother and other characters are are in it as well, making their own discoveries. Uh, the second book is uh, due out in a month or two. Oh, God, I guess.
0: I love those books. I love the originals. And
1: yeah, the originals are just amazing with the storytelling and the world building they did. and the I'm blanking um, on the, the creator's s- name, so give him um, the
0: call out now.
1: Oh, jeez. You had to say that. Um,
0: we'll put it in the notes. And it, I believe it's still at Oni Press, and so let me call out now. You really need to pick it up because... It's
1: Ted Daifei, and I, I knew that. Yeah, I mean, Ted. Uh, he, he's the one who did Glo- the original Gloom Cookie. Yes, I'm... I met, a, met him at a party with a friend. Uh, he was very good friends with a friend of mine in San Francisco. So. I've,
0: I've met him many times. Uh, great yeah. creator. Interesting personality. Uh, and I, But I was going to say, you got to pick it up now because Oni is falling apart. So, it, you know, a lot of things just as like with Action Lab. And I know, I, you know, I follow the behind, right? You know, the, the inside, the business end of things. And they pulled out of comic-con a week before comic-con because they basically laid off everybody. So creators don't know where, you know, what's going to happen. So, you know, as much as I don't want to reward poor management, uh, or like it is a case, I think, with Warner Brothers Discovery, where somebody bought in thinking, "Oh, the, I I know better," and not knowing anything about the business, that is what happened to Oni, and unfortunately, that publisher is falling apart. But if those books exist right now, in fact, I'm I'm going to run to Amazon right after this. Uh, and
1: there's and, seven volumes.
0: You know, pick them up. Uh, yeah. Ted Naifeh is a fantastic creator, and those stories are. Great, so yeah, I'm there. Uh, I'm going to recommend a novel that touch, it touches on comics, uh, wow. and and <laughs> uh, which is actually written by one of the people that was laid off by uh, by Oni in the last uh, two months, and that is uh, Alex Segura, who is. Started out, he's a publicist for, he was a publicist for Archie. That's how I first met him. And uh, he uh, has turned into one of the kind of most up-and-coming mystery writers uh, in in the U.S. Uh, And so he he just released a novel a couple months ago called Secret Identity, which is a murder mystery taking place in New York in the 70s, set in uh, the... We just say cutthroat, but, uh, you know, what they thought at the time was the slowly dying industry of comics and in a, I would say, perhaps thinly disguised pastiche of Atlas uh, comics, because it's not because Marvel and DC exist separately in it. But it's a aside from being an intriguing story. Uh, and, and it's also dealing with kind of a, a layer of, of feminism in that it's about the protagonist is a young woman who works as a receptionist for this other company, uh, this non-existent company called Triumph Comics, uh, who cannot get a break because the owner is a is, is sexist pig, uh, who kind of ghost creates, ghost writes, uh, a, collaborates on a new hero called The Lynx. Uh, and there are pages within this uh, from, that are from that book and uh, from that non-existent comic. But mostly following that, you know, she's, she's ghostwriting this, essentially collaborating and, and not getting any credit for it. And then the man who is getting credit for it gets murdered. So, you know, basically has to confront already she's got a, a mess of baggage, uh, come, you know, from, their, uh, from her life. But also trying to navigate this murder mystery and figure out how she can uh, basically confess to that she was really the one writing, uh, doing the best of the work on these scripts in the first place. So it's uh, it's a really intriguing. I'm not done yet, but I'm drawn in. It's a it's a it's an easy read, and I, I mean that you know as a compliment. Definitely, saw, you know, peppered with with history from the '70s, and if you've read uh, Marvel Comics' "The Untold Story," you know there's you will recognize this era because uh, Sean Howe in that book really talked about you know in the '70s, uh, a lot of people that you and I have since met when they are much older, you know how they were all hanging on by a thread, and this really re- recreates that feeling. Uh, and so it's just, it's great. It's also, you know, maybe a nice companion to read the amazing adventures of Cavalier and clay, which the forties, but this is, you know, this is the seventies and somebody's going to capture the nineties in comics, uh, in some, you know, better way than just a history. Like there'll be a great fiction set in, in that industry. We'll see. Maybe there'll be a great story about 2022 in comics, but, uh, someday someday will we live long enough to see it i don't know will i live long enough to you know to have read it gotten through my stack also <laughs> i don't know because i just added a whole bunch of other things to my you know to 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 my stack and i'm just like uh every time somebody recommends something i'm like well i gotta get that so I remember i want to read it and then yep yep just gets taller all right so uh that's where i am uh, i think that's where you are and uh And uh, to say we're all doing kind of reorgs because we're trying to, uh, you know, make room on our shelves. Uh, That's the advantage of Kindle, right? Oh, well. Anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And I hope these recommendations were interesting to you. And by all means, uh, you know, again, if you have others that we've missed or, you know, maybe we have read them. We just didn't mention them. But if you've got something else and you say, hey, have you guys read this? Open to it, please write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com.
1: And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to
0: use your, your powers,
1: powers for, for good. good.